Today's episode is about the net zero carbon home and how it shows negative carbon emissions. And we'll hear an update on this new initiative with the Nora demonstration home. In the Loop is brought to you by Nora. Nora was authorized by Congress in 2000 to provide funding that enables the liquid fuel heating industry to provide more efficient, more reliable, and lower carbon home heating and hot water to the American consumer. This podcast takes a deeper look at research initiatives, equipment considerations, renewable fuels, carbon reduction, and technical education propelling us towards a low-carbon future. For more information, visit noraweb.org. Well, welcome to End the Loop, the official podcast of Nora. This is our first episode, and we're very glad to have you join us. With us in the studio today, we have Dr. Thomas Butcher, Director of Research of the Nora Liquid Fuels Laboratory in Plainview, New York. Welcome, Tom. Glad to have you with us. Brian, thank you so much. I'm really happy to have been invited today. Well, we enjoy our conversations with you always at uh, Nora meetings and getting to see the latest research from Nora, and we're excited to have this conversation with you today. For our listeners who may not be familiar with Dr. Butcher, Tom Butcher is the technical director of Nora and works at the Nora Lab in Plainview, New York. Between Nora and his work at the Brookhaven National Lab, Tom has over 40 years of experience in combustion and building energy systems research. So he is the guru of heating fuel research and technology. So we are so glad to have you with us today. And let's talk a little bit about this new initiative. Can you tell us a little bit about what's new with your latest research project at Nora? So, you know... For years, uh, I've been fortunate to be part of an initiative within the industry that Nora's been very involved with and others on increasing the use of biodiesel to displace petroleum in, in this market sector. And it, it started out, you know, we were talking about B5, 5% biodiesel in a, in a heating oil blend. And as, as folks got more and more confident, that blending level went up. Um, now B20, there's a, uh, it's widely used. Hundreds of thousands of homes are using B20 blends right now. And from, from a research perspective, right, I, I'm, I'm kind of pushing the, the, the leading edge. We're, we're focused on, on high blends, really high blends. So B, B100. So there's 200 or more homes in the U.S. that are currently using 100% biodiesel with uh, minimal changes in their system. And um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm one of them. So with the use of biodiesel, I, I, I achieved a reduction in my carbon emissions from heating of, of about 75% overall for the house, uh, about 50% because I still had electricity. So, wow. so what, what we decided to do uh, was to add uh, solar panels to my house, PV solar panels, so that I could achieve net zero. That's the goal, to, to achieve net zero carbon emissions. Mm-hmm. Now, um, biodiesel, the, the carbon emissions from biodiesel ranges from 65% of petroleum to uh, a 90% reduction. So it's a 65 to 90% reduction. So that means there's still a little bit of carbon emissions associated with biodiesel depending on the feedstock. What we did when we added the PV to, to my house is we oversized it a bit. So we're at about, we have capacity on the, on the roof at about 120% mm-hmm. of, uh, of what our annual usage is. 
So the, the end result is we end up at net zero carbon. So obviously, volunteering your home for this initiative is a, is a pretty big commitment. You're going to really do the research up close and personal. And what did you learn from the process? How did this shape your opinion about the usage of B100 and in achieving a net zero status with your home? A lot of things. First, with regard to the biodiesel conversion, it really, there was no problems with it. Um, you know, folks say sometimes that you you can have uh, lots of filter changes when you first convert to higher biodiesel blends. We, we didn't see that at all. We use conventional filtration. Our tank is inside the about 50 degrees F area in the coldest part of the winter. We didn't have any problems with gelling. We didn't change the fuel lines at all. They're copper fuel lines between the mm-hmm. tank, one pipe system, and the burner. We didn't make any changes to the to the burner, at least as first. We we didn't have any problems with the burner. We did go to a little bit higher pressure. I think we're at about 170 psi. We eventually, through the course of it, and I've been doing this for for two years now on B100. We did change some components, but the reason we did that is because. Different manufacturers asked us to enable them to test long-term testing in real-life conditions at, at my house with uh, some new products that they were considering for use with high biodiesel blends. So we, that's the only reason that we changed out any uh, any components. It's pretty much uh, maintenance-free. Really? Uh, so that's great. No, no problem there. Yeah, we not a worry. And then with regard to the to the solar, it was actually a Pretty easy decision. My wife and I look carefully at the at the numbers and the projections. And the way it works in our utility area, if we produce more with a PV than we use, that gets exported back to the grid. Mm-hmm. And we get a credit for it. We don't get paid for it ever. But um, if there's a time period when we're not producing night, winter, then we can just pull back from the grid using that credit that we received for the overproduction that we had. Mm-hmm. So we're sized at about 120% of our annual consumption. And so when we overproduce, it's like negative carbon because the, the grid is not carbon free. So if we're pumping power back into the grid, that's power that didn't have to be generated by the generating stations. And so that's carbon that didn't have to be emitted by the generating stations, and so uh, we we get credit for that carbon mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In, in our accounting. And so when we add up that negative carbon with a little bit of carbon we produce from the B100 use, we're definitely, uh, you know, on paper can be can be net zero. You know, the other thing that we uh, we learned, I guess, a bunch of things. First of all, we overproduce a lot in the summertime. We can produce everything necessary for our air conditioning load. Uh, and a little bit extra when we go into the fall season, October, November, uh, there's no air conditioning, and so we're overproducing pretty well. In the heart of the winter, when we could have snow, days are really short, we're anticipating that we will be pulling from the grid. Mm-hmm. Um, here it is, December 7th, and we really haven't pulled anything from the grid yet, but we, we know December, January, that's what... That's what we expect. But on, on the, at the end of the year, we should be neutral. The overall payback uh, as 
projected by the uh, the solar insulation company that my wife and I chose is about six and a half years on the investment after the the available incentives. Now, there are new federal incentives coming out, so we wonder, well, would we have done a little bit better if we had waited <laughs> another month? But, you know, not complaining, we're, re- we're really happy about it. I mean, we're getting electric bills of $15 a month now, and so we we really like the idea that going on into the next few decades, we're, we're just not going to have to pay any electric bills. Uh, that's uh, We like that. So to your point, as you know, as you're entering winter and, and presumably your biodiesel consumption will be increasing, do you think the solar on your roof and the savings from the summer is going to be enough to keep your uh, your house at that net zero for the entire year? We expect that for the month of December, January, February, we're, we're probably not going to be net zero. But if we look at the entire year, we think mm-hmm. we're easily going to be net zero. Right, right. So when you look at it on the whole, the, the right. consumption for the year is is zero. So you're already using B100 for heating your home. And have you seen a, a difference in the equipment performance? I know you said the conversion, the usage is good. And haven't you haven't had any material issues? Really no, no material issues. Equipment performance seems fine. I, and I... Uh... I'm checking uh, CO2 smoke number CO in the in the exhaust. I guess about once a quarter. Filter changes. We should change the filter once a year. I haven't yet this year. I do measure vacuum on a continuing basis. A little bit well instrumented site, I guess. But I, I measure pump vacuum on a continuing basis, and uh, there's no no rise in pump vacuum, so I'm not inclined to change the filter yet. If only your neighbors knew the level of research that was going on next door to them and the significance <laughs> that's occurring just down the street. That's uh, that's pretty cool. So, so with your you're, research, you're absolutely right. I uh, I, I want to go out and put a uh, "I'm carbon free" sign on my front lawn. <laughs> when you mow the yard, you should just have a T-shirt. I'm carbon free. I'm net yeah, zero. There you go. <laughs> Wait for them to ask you what that means. So, you know, obviously this is significant research that Nora's doing and, and at your home. How does this research, in your opinion, really benefit liquid fuel heating dealers? Is this a potential game changer? I think it really is. As you said, there's a lot of interest in, in reducing carbon emissions from homes. There's a lot of discussion about electrification, uh, the addition of heat pumps that are powered by a future carbon-free grid as a solution for the future. This is something that we can do now to get to be carbon neutral now uh, and um, without, you know, a big hardware investment for a heat pump. And um, so I, I think it gives the liquid fuel industry a great opportunity to show that they have a pathway to very quickly achieve uh, net zero conditions. You look at other technologies, they're decades away from being able to achieve the, uh, the same thing. So I think, I think there's a strong value in reducing carbon right now, uh, mm-hmm. which, and we can do it. That's exciting. Um, yeah, it, I, it is. And, and, you know, one of the things that we're, we're hoping to see this morph into is a series of these kinds of zero carbon homes with liquid mm-hmm. fuels. Across, across the country, the Northeast for sure. I, I think it, it gives us the opportunity to make the point. 
Right. I mean, Nora is working with various state energy organizations uh, to find additional suitable homes for this project. And Nora would certainly like to extend that zero carbon home project to other U.S. states. So uh, I think for our listeners, if you have an interest in working with Nora, they should reach out to Nora, contact info at noraweb.org, right? Or reach out to you directly. Absolutely. We would be happy to help in any way we can with getting these kinds of homes uh, up and um, sharing information about it, communicating what's going on, uh, photos of, of the sites, case studies to let folks you know, know that this is, this is happening and this is possible. So uh, in addition to this kind of exciting research that you're doing, uh, what's on the horizon for other zero carbon home projects or other NORA research initiatives in the, in the near future or long term? There's a lot of things that we have ongoing right now. Um, we're looking actively looking for more sites. That's one thing. We are also looking at homes that are converting to B100. We are doing very intensive field tests to understand how the fuel quality changes over time. This is the kind of things that we have done in the past with petroleum number two heating oil. Uh, we need to repeat those and, and expand that to higher biodiesel blends. So we're we're doing a lot of that. We are uh, inv- engaged in other a whole range of other projects now. One is looking at um, the impact of uh, liquid fuel heating on air quality inside and outside of the house. That's uh, I think going to be a, a very positive story. Low NOx burners. Uh, oil-fired heat pumps. We, we've got a lot of uh, a lot of things in the back lab that we're working on right now. Uh, that's exciting here. A lot of things in the hopper, for sure, with uh, research coming from Nora in the near future. Well, and certainly this is exciting news and exciting information, and it's great to get an update and a chance to connect with you because you're living up close and personal with this every day, and you know uh, what you're seeing on the home front. And, uh, and again, if others are interested, uh, listening, they can reach out to Nora to see if they would like to try to convert their home to a net zero carbon home. With that, uh, we appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for uh, all that you do for Nora and all the hard work that you and your team provide with technical direction and research. Is there anything you'd like our listeners to, to keep in mind, uh, things that you can tease for our next episode, perhaps? I, I guess really all I'll, all I'll say is it's going to take everybody working together to, to have a, a big impact out of these opportunities that we have. And uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, collaborating with everybody out in the industry. Very well said. And uh, couldn't agree with you more. This is definitely core to Nora's mission. Thank you again for all the great work you're doing. And for all of our listeners, for more information on Nora's activities, go to noraweb.org or contact Nora at info at noraweb.org. Dr. Tom Butcher, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks so much for all your hard work and uh, the continued information that uh, you provide all of us to help advance the ball, if you will, on the the heating oil front. And we appreciate all you do. Brian, thank you again for the invitation today. You've been listening to In the Loop, the official podcast of Nora. Visit us on the web at noraweb.org.